Aha! There you are. I've been waiting for you. What do you know about fintech? On this episode, I'm going to take a brief look at this relatively new industry, what it is, and how you might benefit. Now, this might be a little ambitious for a single-handed podcast, but I'm going to take a look at fintech and more specifically the rise of the challenger banks. This is an area in which I take an outside interest. I'm not in the markets and I don't work in the banking industry, but I am interested in how technology changes how we interact with the world around us. So what is fintech? Well, firstly, and this might be obvious, but it means financial technology. And this is a quote from Wikipedia. Fintech is a new financial industry that applies technology to improve financial activities. Now, fintech is changing the world of finance for consumers in so many ways. So, you know, we think back to 1967. The first cash machine was introduced by Barclays, where you had to enter a machine-readable cheque that was given to you by the cashier in the branch, and then the machine issued the cash. And this was then followed up with pairing that with a six-digit PIN for security. Since then, we've moved from traditional banking through to banking over the internet, and now mobile-only banking. For example, you've been able to open a bank account over the internet without physically visiting a bank for a few years. Now you can do exactly the same thing in minutes from your smartphone. You can even turn your smartphone into a digital wallet and use it to pay for things using the money in your account. So all this new technology, but what are the potential benefits of what it can do for you? Well, fintech products tend to be delivered online, uh, as it suggests, and so therefore they're easier and quicker for us as consumers to actually access them. And the fintech companies probably don't need to invest money in a physical infrastructure like a branch network, so they could probably offer cheaper propositions to us. And as consumers, we will benefit from a greater choice of products and services because they can be bought remotely, regardless of the location. Finally, technology allows fintech companies to collect and store more information on us, so they may be able to offer us more personalised products or services in the future. Now, of course, there will be inherent risks as well. So because they're new to the financial industry and they use a different business model to traditional providers, it can make it harder to see if they're regulated and what your rights might be if something goes wrong. Financial products that are bought instantly online without ever meeting anyone face-to-face -face makes it easier for consumers to make quick, uninformed decisions. Financial products bought online may also leave you more exposed to technology-based risks. So, for example, your personal data could be misused, or you could fall victim to cybercrime. And the, one of the other risks is, whilst technology does increase the choice and access for most of us, it will certainly exclude those who can't use or don't know how to use the internet or devices like computers, smartphones and tablets. So one of the big areas that we see in fintech are the rise of the challenger banks banks that challenge the traditional institutions like HSBC, Barclays, RBS. Traditional banks have had it easy for far too long, and due to rising costs, they don't actually make our lives any easier. So, full disclosure here, um, my main bank is First Direct, a division of HSBC. 
For those of you outside the UK, this is a telephone or internet bank. There are no branches. Everything is done remotely. In fact, when I opened my account over the telephone, I still had to wait for the documents to be sent to me for signing before the account could be opened. Now, I've been with them for about 25 years, <laughs> and in that time, technology has evolved, but not at the speed of the likes we're seeing with the challengers. So who are these main challenger banks? And you may have heard of some of these. There's Monzo, there's Revolut, there's Starling, there's N26 and Atom. Now, like, like I said, many of you uh, may have heard of them, but probably the most well-known of these are Monzo and Starling. They seem to have gained the mass market appeal. Now, Monzo was started by Tom Blomfield, who brought us GoCardless, which is a direct debit payment system. And Starling is run by Anne Bowden, who, amongst other roles, was the Chief Operating Officer at Allied Irish Bank, and it was here that frustration crept in and she decided to start her own bank. Main benefit of both of these is that they are built on brand new technology. They're not restricted to the legacy systems that have been in use by banks since hundreds of years ago. Alright, not that long ago, but you know what I mean. With a whole new infrastructure, they can be much more agile in their approach and they can do things and react much more quickly. One big plus is the sign-up process. No more are there tons of forms to complete and visits to branches. In fact, there are no branches. You sign up using a mobile app. You record a short video confirming that you want to open the account and you upload a photo of your ID and that's it. Done. In fact, as these are mobile-only banks, you have to have a smartphone to use it. This relates back to one of the risks that I mentioned earlier on. If you remember, it will exclude those who can't use or don't know how to use or don't have a smartphone. Okay, disclosure number two. I also have a Starling and a Monzo account. Now, whilst the Monzo account is dormant, I use my Starling account daily with both personal and business accounts, and I'll come on to why a little bit later on. So with a brand new built-from-the-ground-up infrastructure, these new kinds of banks can do things that the others just don't have the capability to do. Now, we're all used to getting notifications on our mobiles, whether it's been a tweet, a message, an update, whatever. And, and so receiving a notification when we spend money, and more importantly receive money, then we have instant gratification. When you buy something using a card, or if you use Apple Pay or Google Pay or Fitbit Pay or Samsung Pay or whatever it is these days, then the money is shown as leaving your account instantly. You get a notification straight away. No more guessing when the debit's actually going to take place. The balance is always up to date. Another feature is that of spaces. On Monzo, they're called pots. And these are places where you can squirrel away your money. They're not savings accounts. They're just separate areas of the main account but they move your money out of the transactional part of the account so you don't accidentally spend it. On top of that, both banks also offer roundups. This means that when you pay by card, the balance to the nearest pound is moved to another pot. For example, something costs you £9.60, the 40p is rounded up and put into a pot, and it's a great way to actually save. It's as though you paid with a £10 note and the 40p change is put into a safe place. Again, it's not moved permanently. You can put it back into the main account whenever you like. On top of these nice features, you can also see where your money is being spent with reports by category. And you can also choose which category that you want to have the transaction assigned to. And you can also view by merchant, so you can see how much you're spending at a particular place. All these things that you don't get with traditional bank accounts. 
Another very important point to note is that both Monzo and Starling and the others, um, although I have to admit I've not delved into the others in detail, uh, are covered by the Financial Services Compensation Scheme, which means that deposits of up to £85,000 are protected should anything happen to the banks. Of course, as well as serving their customers, banks also exist for their shareholders, and it's important for them to make money. So since there are no charges associated with running any of the accounts, then how else do they make a profit? Well, Starling actually sell this platform as a service to others. They call it banking as a service. Since they have a full banking licence, they can offer access to their infrastructure to third parties who can then piggyback on their system to offer additional services to customers. Starling will then benefit via commission payments without actually needing to be involved in building and developing the products themselves. And they have what's called a marketplace. And uh, within there, you can buy insurance, you can consolidate pensions, sign up for wealth management services. There's, there's lots of things coming down the line. It's a clever way to do it. It limits the risk to Starling, allowing them to concentrate on their core business. So what do I think of Starling? Why did I choose them over Monzo? Well, if I'm honest... I like Starling. I've been very pleased with them. I created a business account with them first, uh, back during the uh, middle of last year, around about June 2018. And after running it in tandem with the, uh, the business account I already had, I subsequently transferred all the banking entirely to them, closed the business account that I had with HSBC, because that was costing me around about £100 a year, uh, to run and the Starling account was free and the benefits of all the notifications and it was so easy to set up. I then created my personal account towards the end of last year and I'm now running that in tandem with my first direct account but actually I do envisage moving over during the course of this year. They offer the current account switch service which is supposed to make it very simple to do. We'll see. Starling also offer accounts for 16 to 17 year olds as well so the children have also got a Starling account which makes sense for them. They get their instant gratification notification straight away when they've spent any money. And they also know when I've paid them their pocket money. So why not Monzo? Well, <laughs> the Monzo app didn't sit quite right with me. And I've spoken previously about how the look and feel can have an effect. And there are apps I don't use because they don't look right. Now, I know this is really superficial and I should really look beneath the user interface. Unfortunately, I can't. If an app doesn't give me the confidence when I launch it, then how can I have confidence using it? And for me, the Monzo app is just too cluttered and busy. It looks like it's trying to do too much. But what do I know? It's a very popular bank with a reported 1 million users, so please take this as a personal preference thing and it's not an indication of the bank itself. Challenger banks and fintech in general are the future. The consumer market is ever-growing, and it's great that there's now choice outside of the incumbents, which still seem to be so stuck in their ways. Fintech doesn't just stop at banks. It's allowing many new players to enter the markets, as I mentioned earlier, with insurance, wealth management, pensions becoming much more accessible. Do you use one of the new banks? What are your thoughts? Does the thought that there are no branches put you off, or the fact that you can only use a mobile phone? Okay, before I finish, it's time for Podcast of the Week. Wonderful Radio Flanagan is hosted by Paul Flanagan. Paul has recently been suffering from what seems to be a really bad cold. I think he's just coming out the end of it now, which has made it virtually impossible for him to release any new episodes. But he has just published a two-part story of when he went travelling in the USA, which is really good listen. 
Paul likes a giggle, and don't take this the wrong way, but if you can make someone smile and engage with your podcast, then I think you're onto a good thing. If you haven't heard Paul, then he takes a rather irreverent look at all sorts of things, and be careful, because he's even done an episode from the shower. I kid you not. Give Paul a listen. Uh, wonderful Radio Flanagan. I shall put details in the show notes. I hope you found this episode interesting. If you have any questions about fintech or anything else, then please get in touch via Twitter at ProdMatters. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Tweet me the phrase, fintech is the future, and I'll give you a shout out in a future episode. Please don't forget to follow me where you normally listen to your podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, remember, productivity matters.